This is News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And this is Atlanta. The food, the wine, the entertainment, the lifestyle. This is Belinda Skelton's Atlanta Living. And welcome to Atlanta Living, folks. I'm your host, Belinda Skelton. My next guest, Dr. David Perlmutter, says that grain and wheat could be killing you. He's the author of the best-selling book on the New York Times bestseller list for since it was written, Grain Brain. And Dr. Perlmutter, thanks for joining us in the studio. Belinda, my pleasure to be here today. And if you've heard him, uh, Neil Bortz talk about him before, um, you've heard Neil, Dr. Perlmutter's praises because you literally turned Neil's life around by getting him off wheat and gluten. Neil's very, oddly enough, very coachable. And I think when you very, very coachable, (laughs) give him some information, he takes the ball and runs with it. So that's why he's had such a nice recovery from some of the issues he was suffering from. You know, it turns out that yes, food matters a whole heck of a lot when it comes to our health and even brain health for that matter. So taking gluten and gluten and it is wheat, basically. Is that, am I correct? Well, gluten's found in wheat, barley, and also in rye. And so it's a, it's a protein that humans have never really eaten, never been exposed to. And we didn't we, eat them in the pioneer's days, the wheats of grain flowing through the Well, yeah, fields. that was just like yesterday. Uh, you know, in the past two million years that we've been here, we haven't had access to wheat and uh, carbohydrates like we're eating now. So the, the big focal points of the book are really the, the grains and beyond that, the carbs, the sugars and the starches that are so prevalent that make up such a big part of the Western diet. And it's really, these are the fundamental reasons that our health is in such disarray that it is. And why, for example, healthcare costs are skyrocketing because we're not keeping people healthy in the first place, and it all starts with the food that you eat. So when someone starts to feel they have a problem with digestion issues, um, migraines, foggy brain, um, do you go ahead and, and test them for gluten sensitivity? We do, and you know what's really interesting, Belinda, is the notion that the, the science now is showing us that you can have problems from gluten sensitivity and have no issues with reference to your gut whatsoever. So your digestion can be perfectly fine and yet you can suffer from skin issues, joint pain, like you mentioned, migraine headaches, or what I really talked about extensively in the book Grain Brain, dementia, cognitive failure related to being sensitive to gluten and moreover by the effects of carbohydrates in the diet. And and so that you know, I mean, your listeners know, the book was written after reviewing about 250 scientific references. That's what went into making this book. It's not that, you know, your guest on your program today happens to think this. It's what this, the current level of science is telling us. Well, we as a nation consume probably more carbohydrates than any other country I can think of. Are, are we just sickening ourselves, so to speak? Without a doubt. Uh, there is a direct relationship between even mild elevations of blood sugar and risk for becoming demented. And that was actually described in the New England Journal of Medicine August 8th of this year, 2013. And what it says is that basically even at mild elevations of blood sugar, even what we call normal blood sugar, levels, like 105, everybody's going to tell you that's fine, those levels are already associated with a significant increased risk for becoming demented. Now, those blood sugar levels are directly related to the very sugar and starchy foods that you choose to consume or not. The less of those foods that you eat, the lower will your blood sugar be. So the answer is to eat more fat. 
Fat is your friend. It's the, the friend of your heart. It's the friend of your immune but system. But we have been told for years, cut the fat out, cut the bacon out, cut, you know, cut the cholesterol out. Well, you know, again, to clarify, it's not all fats that are necessarily good for the brain. The modified, the trans fats that are so prevalent in prepared foods these days are like coffin nails for the brain. But the healthful fats, the olive oil, nuts, seeds, uh, avocado, grass-fed beef, wild fish, these supply the body and specifically the brain. You know, your brain is 60 to 70 percent fat. These supply the body with the raw material that does two things. Number one, it allows you to build a more functional brain. And number two, good fat in your system acts as an anti-inflammatory. When you recognize that the cornerstone of Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis is this process called inflammation, you really want to do everything you possibly can to reduce inflammation. And that means getting off the carbohydrates and reducing your consumption of gluten. You know, you mentioned that fats, we were told not to eat them. Uh, in 1992, that was a government uh, indoctrination was force. It? We were told low fat, no fat is the way to go. And within 10 years of the government telling us to go on a low fat program, the rates of diabetes in America went up threefold. And make no mistake about it, if you become a diabetic based upon your dietary choices, You've doubled your risk for Alzheimer's, a disease for which there is no treatment. Now, if we cut out the gluten and the wheat in our diet now, say I'm, I'm 46, if I, if I go clean turkey, if I'm able to do it, can I set the clock back on my body? Without a doubt. You know, one of the chapters in Grain Brain, and one of the things I've been talking about on the public television a program that I've been doing, is the idea of what we call neurogenesis, growing new brain cells, which is kind of a revolutionary idea, was really only discovered about 10 years ago to be occurring in humans. Uh, and, you know, back when I was in medical school, we didn't know that. We were told that we had X number of brain cells, and then uh, by the time we were 18, every time we drank a beer, we'd lose 20,000 brain cells or right. something along those lines. But the beauty is that we can grow new brain cells specifically in the brain's memory center called the hippocampus. And this occurs when you're our age, uh, when you're 80, when you're 90 years of age, you can stimulate by taking into your body certain types of fats like DHA found in fish oil or from marine algae. And as we've recently learned, getting more aerobic exercise. Those two modalities target your DNA. They challenge your DNA to start making a specific enzyme that allows your brain to grow new brain cells, giving you absolutely the second chance. That, that truly is a second chance. And, and this is not just your opinion, Dr. Uh, David Perlmutter. You are a fellow uh, with the American College of Nutrition. You're a neurologist. You've done years of research. And in your practice, this is, this is what you see. It is what we see. It went into the new book, Grain Brain. And, you know, you mentioned that, that it's a New York Times bestseller and, all, and, and never hasn't been. And I think the reason that's happening. It's become a Bible for well, a lot of people who are suffering from wheat allergies and uh, celiac disease. Exactly. But beyond that, you know, celiac is, is 1.8% of the population. Gluten sensitivity, maybe 30%. But this book is for everyone because every almost everybody uh, is at least some to some degree sensitive to gluten. But beyond that, most people are focused 
on eating carbohydrates. Things that you don't expect are, are really toxic by having so much sugar. You know, uh, for example, what do you normally think is a good thing to start your day with uh, in terms of what you drink at breakfast? Go to a restaurant, what's the first thing they do? They pour you a glass of orange juice. Uh -huh. Well, that's 36 grams of, of carbohydrate, just about the same as drinking a can of cola. But I thought I would have been doing my body a favor drinking. You're not. You're giving yourself nine teaspoons of pure white sugar. And that's before the croissant or bagel right. or, or cereal has even sure. arrived. You're already starting your day with half the carbohydrates that you need for an entire day just by having a glass or two of, of fresh Florida, fresh squeezed orange juice. So fruit is very high in sugar. It's why we love it so. But the point is, have an apple. Have a handful of blueberries. But to have six servings of pure sugar-containing fruit each day is not doing your body any good. As a matter of fact, it's profoundly detrimental. Okay, so you're saying don't, don't take fruit out of your diet. Eat it in its whole form. Absolutely. Like if you're going to have, if you're looking for orange juice, dr eat an orange instead of drinking a glass of exactly. orange juice. Exactly. That slows the release of sugar. You don't get this huge sugar surge. But what can you have at breakfast if you're yeah, not going to be your, eating? What would you, if you could... Uh, Ideal breakfast? Yes. Let's say a three-egg omelet with uh, goat's cheese, avocado, uh, some spinach, uh, spinach omelet, or kale. Uh, this is wonderful. Maybe half a, of an avocado. Eggs are a wonderful, wonderful food. Eggs contain this, this chemical that was just discovered that actually is critically important for brain function. It's actually the precursor from which, Belinda, your body makes vitamin D out of this newly discovered chemical. And I know for a fact that I am deficient in vitamin D. And here's what that chemical is. It's called cholesterol. So cholesterol is vital for your brain desperately important to make all of the sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, the stress hormone, cortisol, and even vitamin D. It's a fundamental player in every cell membrane in your body, including brain cells. So when the FDA mandates that cholesterol-lowering statin drugs now have to include warnings that these drugs can compromise memory and other aspects of brain function, that something we have to take take notice of now what do you say to the to the layman like myself who um, I have migraines and um, it's been proven that if you will get off wheat and gluten uh, you'll see a dramatic drastic difference how do you how do I start this process well, you know, uh, this isn't going to help everybody, but in my practice, it helps a lot of people. And even if it helped 1% of people, it's worth doing. And step one is to get a copy of Grain Brain, because mm -hmm. I will walk you through how to do this. But the, the whole issue here is recognizing that we need to eat more fat, that humans have eaten fat for as long as we've been here. Are we going to be fatter by eating more a fat? Wonderful question. And if you read journals like the Journal of the American Medical Association, a trial called the A to Z trial, or the New England Journal of Medicine, you'll realize that what is making us fat has nothing to do with fat consumption. It's everything to do with carbs. Carbs make your body make insulin, and insulin tells your body that winter is coming. Let's make fat and let's store fat. So if you want to get thin, yes. paradoxically, eat more fat because if you eat more fat your appetite will be curbed you'll eat less carbohydrates and you'll store less body fat you'll actually start to use your body fat as a fuel and you'll slim down 
So and you, by the way, it'll help your migraine headaches as well. Which I'm all for that. So I'm, I'm guessing you're not a big fan of the sandwich. Well, I don't know how you eat a sandwich without the bread, but you can wrap things in a lettuce wrap. Uh, there's uh, wonderful things that you can do. You know, I was uh, getting ready to fly in here uh, from Philadelphia, and I was watching the television monitor in the in the airport. And there, you know what a club sandwich is? Yes. If you don't have enough bread uh, when you have your sandwich, you put one in the middle and you call it a club sandwich. And that's supposed to be even more appealing. Well, really, that's the worst thing you can do for your brain. You know, we rate foods according to what's called the glycemic index, and uh, that's how high it'll raise your blood sugar. And whole grain bread has about twice the glycemic, uh, almost twice the glycemic index as, for example, a Snickers bar. So wow. we're not making any progress by eating whole grain bread, especially as it relates to raising your blood sugar. We're going to take a break. We're talking with Dr. David Perlmutter. He's the author of Grain Brain, and he's a, um, a fellow at the College of Nutrition. And we're going to ask him how he feels about all the gluten-free products that are on the market today. We'll talk about that right after this. 750 WSB. And welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Belinda Skelton. We are talking with Dr. David Perlmutter, and he is the author of the New York Times number one bestseller, Grain Brain. And I'm sure you've seen it, heard about it, but we're here talking the the day-in, day-out life of living wheat and and gluten-free. And I ask you to tell us in the break, I want you to discuss how you feel about products that are on the market now, uh, gluten-free, wheat-free, soy-free. How do you feel about those products replacing the crackers and the bread and the what-have-you in our cupboards? (laughs) Especially the what-have-you. Those are the (laughs) things we really need to replace. So here's the answer to that question, and it's a really good question because a lot of people start to embrace the notion of going gluten-free and how important that is. But here's where they get into trouble, and they get into trouble exactly in the aisle that you just described, the gluten-free aisle. Why? Because cereals and uh, breads and pastas and pizza dough, etc., that are on the gluten-free uh, aisle are still dramatically high in carbohydrates. What, ah, I thought I was doing myself you a favor. So the trick is in the... A grocery store to shop the periphery of the grocery store, not the center aisles where all those prepackaged foods are that are high in carbohydrates as well as containing highly modified fats. Shop the outside edges of the grocery store where you'll find your fresh vegetables, your lean uh, meats, hopefully uh, organically raised grass-fed meats, and uh, things like wild fish. That's where you want to get your food. You know, the, the simplest thing I can tell your listeners would be buy foods that don't have an ingredients label on them. Or or wow. a or come in a box and that don't have ingredients listed because those are the th- fresh foods, the more natural foods that you really need to start to select, and you know. I, so I, it I, seems like you are suggesting more of a paleo type diet. It is, uh, you know, paleo means old. It's really based upon what we've eaten for a long, long time, and frankly, that's what our DNA is ex- expecting. When we challenge our DNA with these new signals mm-hmm. that are from these crazy foods that we are now eating, uh, the our DNA expresses genes that are inappropriate and lead to things like inflammation and also the production of chemicals called free radicals, which oxidize our tissues, damage our DNA, damage our protein and our fat. That's why everybody's taking antioxidants like vitamin C and vitamin E. But why not keep the process at bay based upon the foods that you eat in the first place? And, you know, I think this book is centered on the idea that dementia, Alzheimer's, are preventable issues. It focuses on the fact that six and a half million American children are diagnosed with ADHD and two thirds of them are on mind altering medications. That doesn't have to be. 
And that is such a breath of hope that you're giving us through your number one New York Times bestseller, Grain Brain. I'm your host, Belinda Skelton. If you really want to make a world a better place, you need to end the day by coming home to supper, says my guest, Christy Jordan. Christy, welcome to the studio. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Now, tell me, how important is it that we sit down at the end of the day as a family and break bread? You know what? If you want to keep your family together, if you want to maintain that closeness with your your spouse, your children, that is the anchor that pulls us all together. You know, I tell people in the morning, I I have two kids and my husband, and we all go out into the world in separate directions. And as we're all going out into the world in our different places, we're becoming different people each day. And then you come home together at night and you can find out who your kids became that day. And you keep up with them. And that's how you you maintain that bond. My mom actually told me um, when I became a parent, she said every night when you possibly can, you sit down at the table together. She said that's where they'll tell you about their friends, any what's going on in their lives, if they're having any problems. She said kids just open up to you around the supper table and they don't even realize how much they're you know letting you know about what's going on in their lives yes (laughs) and um and that's that's just makes a huge difference and that's the title of your book come home to supper it's a fabulous cookbook but it's interspersed with real life stories and um quotes that you have in here that i absolutely love now you are said to be one of the most positive people (laughs) around and i and by reading your quotes and your little anecdotes in the book i would have to agree with that how did you come to this place that you're at in your life that's so positive well you know i realize that you know every day when we go out into the world we're having an effect on everyone around us whether it's a person you pass by in the street, someone who works next to you in a cubicle, you know, we're having an effect on everybody around us. And I think being a positive person comes when you decide to own that. Um, and I tell people we can either be, um, you know, an air freshener or pollution. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Love it. So um, I just try to, I realize that, I, you know, just like anyone in this world, I realize that I have an effect on the people that I encounter. And so I want it to be a positive effect. And so I'm sure your mother passed that down to you. Oh, my mother is a very um, grateful person. Um, She's a very positive. My my people were really always like that. I come from um, a line of sharecroppers, and they were poor in every way the world would see, but they were rich in every way that mattered. And they had very difficult lives, you know, lives that we can't even imagine in today's world. But yet they never got into the woe is me's. No pity parties. No, it was every day they woke up and they were grateful for the rising of each new sun. Um, They didn't, didn't know where food was going to come from a lot of times and they were grateful for the food on their table you know and that's just the kind of people they were and that's just been passed down and ingrained in us and um, I'm trying to ingrain it in my children and my son is 14 years old I'm actually I'm so it's hard proud to ingrain anything in a 14 year old let me tell you what he did the other day I was on tour and I look I, I, he's on Instagram and I follow him of course, mom, I mean yes, and um, well, I follow if he's on any social sure. media, yeah. But um, he started a new account, fourteen-year-old boy called Encouraging Post Daily, and Seriously? yes, and he's trying it's to encourage people every day, and he writes these little things, and I can't let him know how proud I am of him. But well, yeah, you can't embarrass like, him. But oh that is—are you about to pop? With oh, oh, my heart just burst Seriously. open. It was wonderful. Now the way you express yourself is through food. And cooking great food for people. Now, when did you start to cook? My first memory of cooking was when I was three years old. Oh, God. but um, it, my, she skipped walking and went straight <laughs> yeah. to cooking. Well, my mom is a wonderful cook, um, and she always cooked everything from scratch. You know, mainly to save money. You know, and um, 
it was hard to put food on the table. My dad was a police officer, and it was really important that Mama stayed home with the three of us. And so they had to really stretch sure. and make it work. Um, and so anytime Mama was in the kitchen, I was always underfoot. You know, I was always in there wanting to see what she was doing and talk to her. So I remember when I was three, she set me down at the table, and she put some peaches in a dish, and she gave me the, the stuff to mix up a streusel topping, and she had me mix it together mainly to get me out of her way. <laughs> Just so, to occupy you in yeah, some way. That's my first cooking memory. And how did it turn out? Oh, everybody loved it. Daddy bragged on, oh, this is Christy's Peach Crisp. They still call it Christy's Peach Crisp now, and they just bragged on. Of course, you know, my my parents are very encouraging, and um, they also bragged on. One time I made Daddy a cake out of the Easy Bake Oven, and it was the last mix I had. I wanted had. an Easy Bake Oven yeah. my whole childhood. <laughs> my daughter's asking for one this year, so we're going to talk to Santa about that. But it was the last cake mix I had, and as I pulled it out of the oven, I think I was six or seven, I dropped it on the floor and it broke into pieces and I just went into tears and mama patched it back together and iced it so you couldn't tell and she said, now it'll be just fine. Don't say nothing. So after supper, I gave it to daddy and he just bragged on it and bragged on it and I said, daddy, it don't taste like it was dropped on the floor, does it? <laughs> so <laughs> There was no five second. There was a five second rule yes, in your house. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Now, Southern cooking is unlike any other. We are so blessed with traditions in the South as far as cooking goes, and nothing beats a good casserole. Oh, yeah. I love casseroles. <laughs> now, tell me, um, you are queen of, of cooking and freezing, and are there things that, that freeze well and, and things that don't? Tell us how you survive by using the freezer to your advantage. Well, let me tell you, I have noticed, you know, it's all about budgeting our time and our money and our ingredients. You know, you'll find none of my recipes use any oddball ingredients. Yeah, you're not yeah. going to send me running all over the city no, for a I've never heard mm -mm. of. I call it normal people food. Um, I just could, you know, using what you have on hand. Um, but whenever I make a casserole, generally, if you look for a dollar or two more, sometimes three of the most, you can make two or three casseroles. And it's the same effort, you know, the same amount yes. of mess. And then you have supper for another night. So, like, if I make that ham country casserole, that's my husband's favorite in the cookbook. He used to think he hated casseroles until I made that for him and that won him over. I'll make two or three at a time. And I actually will scoop the casseroles into um, gallon size zipper seal bags. Oh. And then I, I flatten them a little and okay. freeze them that way. And then it takes up very little space in your freezer. And when I need one, I just I can throw it in the microwave or in the fridge, pour it in a casserole dish, and you're ready to go. See, and then that's always my conundrum. Christy, is when you have something frozen, uh, do you thaw it completely and then put it in the oven? Do you put it in the oven at a certain temperature to thaw it and then you cook it? How does this work? Or are, are you cooking well, it before you freeze it? Sometimes. I usually, I don't cook them before I freeze them. Um, sometimes I take the frozen casseroles and go ahead and put them in a cold oven and then let the oven preheat and it heats up the, it's thawing it at the same time it's preheating. Um, you got to make cookie. Yeah. You are. <laughs> and then you um, then you add about 10 minutes to the cook time. And that's a lot easier. But it just, you know, and then if you've got somebody who ends up sick or has an illness or something, you just go to your freezer. Or you have one of those nights that supper sneaks up on you sometimes. Oh, and rather than going to fast food or the grocery store, you've got backup plans in your freezer. See, I don't know how the eight hour workday is so slow, but the time from my when I get pick the kids up from school till dinner oh, yeah, is lightning speed. fast. Yes. We're at warp time. Absolutely. It's crazy. Now, and then, if you cook all day, Christy, and you're testing recipes and you're cooking for other people, what is your go-to recipe at home that you're like, I just don't want to spend another second in this kitchen or I'm over the dirty dishes? What is your go-to? Okay. Now, I love to cook. 
but I also love to have, I, I love that my husband can come home and supper's just magically waiting on him. And I want to have that happen to me sometimes too. Sure. So the slow cooker is my best friend. Some people call it a crock pot, but mm-hmm. slow cooker is my best friend. I just I've recently got, got one. I'm the oh only one that didn't get one when they got oh, married. Oh, I'm going to mark you. I'm going to dog ear you half of that cookbook. I, you listen, <laughs> I have dog eared it. Look at this thing. Um, so tell us about not all slow cookers, um, uh, crock pots are created equal. Well, it depends on, you know, if you haven't bought a slow cooker within the last five years, I really recommend you go buy a new one. Um, Some of the older ones that don't have a removable crock, Mm -hmm. those are actually recommended that you not use them because they're not safe to use anymore. Um, And the new ones cook so evenly and so much better than the older ones because technology has changed so much. But, you know, you can spend $30 and get a great slow cooker. You don't have to spend $100 or $200. So it's an appliance that you can't afford to replace. Yes. Yeah, so I really recommend I have a um, I like my six quart. I have a six quart Hamilton Beach programmable. Of course, I have um, I probably have five slow cookers. I have a slow <laughs> cooker issue. And, and my husband's like, we need to get She's- rid of some slow cookers. But then when, I loved it because when I was developing more slow cooker recipes for this book, um, there was one day where I had them all in use and I waited till he came home and I'm like, see, I do need all these. He is the luckiest man to benefit from all this (laughs) testing I have ever seen. So you also like a slow cooker that has... uh, A rubber seal. Yes. Which mine does not. And locking... Up over the... Uh, yes. Well, you know, I send food to my husband's work a lot. Like, I'll make a big pot of chicken stew or chili or something. And when you put it in a car, no matter what, you're going to end up with spilling. It's, you know, so I get the ones with the rubber seal, and they clamp down, and so it's kind of travel ready. At one time, you know, you don't have to clamp it down to cook in it, but I had my... I was making um, some pulled pork barbecue overnight, and um, I told my husband, I said, go make sure the slow cooker's on. I get up the next morning, and he had it all clamped down and everything. And I said, did you think it was going to blast off or something <laughs> in the night? But yeah. Oh, for the cooking. Now, you said, and I think I've made this mistake before, slow cooking. Make sure it's at least half filled. Yes. Because I've made dishes that, should I be doubling this recipe? Maybe if, if the recipe I'm making does not fill it halfway because you said well, it cooks too quickly. if you make sl- smaller quantities, you might be better off with a four-quart slow cooker. Um, you know, of course, I have a four-quart and a five-quart and a six-quart. Right. <laughs> She's got the whole family. But I tend to do, you know, because I have a teenage boy. Um, and you can't put enough food in right. that child. Um, so I use a six quart for pretty much everything. And usually mine's filled within probably two inches of the top Okay, when I use it. Now, something I read in your book that is the opposite of what I've been living. Um, so I'm going to change it from now. If my roast is still just a little bit dry mm-hmm. and I've cooked it to the proper time on the recipe, you said cook it maybe 30 minutes extra because I thought maybe I've cooked it a little too long. No, um, and make sure you don't cook it in water. A lot of people cook their roast in water. It needs that little bit of fat and the gravy to help break it down. But, you know, the first couple hours, if you're cooking your roast in a slow cooker, it's actually just getting it cooked. And then that last bit of time, that's where it's breaking it down and getting it really tender. So when I cook a roast... So um, you'll go over the recipe? Oh, yes. Oh, wow. If, as long as you've got a, a good slow cooker that you know works well, right. um, I cook mine uh, usually an hour or even two longer, you know, if you're running late. And you can just cut it with a fork. You know, it's, uh, that's how my husband and my son like it. Some people might like a little bit... Chewier? Yeah, a little <laughs> tougher cut of meat, but I like it to just fall, fall apart. Yeah. off the, yes. Okay, so we can cook them a little longer than the recipe says. Absolutely. Now, and that's the beauty of a slow cooker. You know, if you're running late from work, your supper's going to be fine because it's cooking it low and slow. 
which is a recipe um, that calls for tougher cuts of meat, are really good yeah. for slow cookers. So it's inexpensive, and you can make these delicious suppers and not spend as much money. Now, why did you focus this book only on suppers and not breakfast and brunches and other things? Well, you know, everybody is telling us that we need to come home to supper. Everybody's telling us we need to gather around the dinner table together. And the thing is, we know that. But we're so busy with our schedules. I don't care if you're a stay-at-home mom, you have a job outside the home. You know, we're all busy, and we're trying to do the best we can. And at the end of the day... We know how important it is, but we need somebody to show us how to do it. So I set out to write the one book that will give people the tool to make that possible. Folks, we're going to take a break. We're speaking with Christy Jordan with her cookbook, Come Home to Supper. When we come back, I'm going to have her tell the story of No Refund. It's a very inspiring tale, so stay tuned. You're listening to Atlanta Living, only on News Talk WSB. Now back to Belinda Skelton. And welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Belinda Skelton, and we're talking with Chrissy Jordan, author of Come Home to Supper, and we've talked about her great anecdotes that she has in her book. And I want her to tell the story quickly about there are no refunds. Enjoy life. Now, you want me to tell something quickly. That's Well, I can talk fast. Um, it's just reducing <laughs> the words is the problem. fast? There you go. People listen slow is my problem. Um, well, you know, several years ago, we had rented a cabin in the Smoky Mountains, and we were so excited. We were planning on my husband's brother and his family coming and my in-laws coming. It was going to be this wonderful weekend. And so we set out driving there. And um, as the, we're driving, we're reading about this winter storm taking place. And the closer we get, the more it becomes apparent that we're not going to be able to reach this cabin. Um, and then my in-laws actually made it there, and they said they were stuck there. There's no way they could get out, and there's no way we could reach the cabin. There had just been too much snow I would and love ice. That. Oh, yeah, I would too. Um, so we actually, we're about two hours into our trip, and we have to pull over and tell the kids that we're going home. We can't, you know, it's it's off. And... I'm trying to make the light of it, you know, and the kids start, you know, my daughter's crying and sniffing and just the disappointment was just, sure. you know, and I'm trying to pretend like, you know, it's okay. We'll have, you know, we're going to um, have the best time yeah. at home. And then we call the cabin owner and there's no refunds. You know, we've paid all this money for this cabin for all these days and there's no refund policy. And we're driving home and our hearts, the car is just silent except for sniffles from time to time. And. It just occurred to me that, you know, how is this weekend any different from any other day in our lives? You know, there's no refunds. This is the only day we have. This is the only today that we have. And so we just went home really with a purpose and an intent. And we made that weekend wonderful. You know, we just focused on spending quality time together. And there were no TVs, you know, and... My, we worked on some Boy Scout projects with my son. We did some arts and crafts with my daughter. And we really ended up um, salvaging a wonderful life lesson from the weekend. Um, and it's it's just, it's a wonderful memory. You know, it's kind of out of some heartache. We really got a lot of wisdom and kind of a new awareness and appreciation. I love that story. There is no refunds on your life. And this is the only today you're going to have. Yes. All right. Chrissy Jordan, I absolutely loved having you in anytime you're back through Thank and write another so book or you want to have me over for dinner you just let you me come know. in anytime <laughs> you're skinny we're gonna feed you <laughs> oh i'd love it folks you're listening to atlanta living only on news talk wsb Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.